Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach. And in this episode, I really just wanted to kind of cement my thoughts on the eve of election. And, you know, it's, I think, a lot of the things that perhaps I'm going to talk about, you've heard, but then I'm going to also going to try to talk about some things that perhaps you haven't heard. And it's less of a discussion on kind of the voting aspect of tomorrow and more just the ramifications and the overall kind of, uh, you know, kind of where we are in time, if you will. And, you know, a lot of these thoughts, I've been, I've been kind of having these thoughts for a while and I've held off on really sharing them because it's like, well, what do I have to really say and things like that. But, you know, for me, the, the short-term thing is a vote, right? Tomorrow, uh, if you haven't yet voted, vote. Um, get in touch with people you know and make sure that, that if they haven't yet voted, that they do so, right? That's, that's plain and simple. But this episode is really de- kind of dedicated to rethinking American politics because I think if, it, if nothing else, from what it appears to me, and certainly for myself, the two-party system is just not working that much. There's a, you know, for a number of years, South Park has been putting out episodes around election time, and the joke is, you know, you either get a giant douche or a turd sandwich. You know, those are your options. And really, the two-party system, in a lot of ways, kind of always feels like that, right? And, you know, sure, there's, there's other parties out there. Like, there are a number of parties. There's a number of candidates you could vote for in the presidential election. But you kind of know that you're essentially throwing away a vote. You know, the, yes, there's a side of it that the more people that vote for these third parties, you know, the more funding they will get in the future, the more attention and things like that. And that's, I, I'm all for that cause, but in an election like this, where the stakes are so high, at least that's the way everyone purports it to be, it, it, you kind of know that you vote for anyone else besides Biden or Trump, you're kind of throwing away a vote. And so you're kind of left with, you know, a Democrat or a Republican, a, a, a giant douche or a turd sandwich. And I'm not just talking about in this election, like, again, South Park has done this for years and years in terms of the election cycles. And it it kind of, the two-party system, I don't think, I think we really need to rethink that. I mean, I think perhaps the simplest solution would be that whoever wins is the president and whoever loses is the vice president. Like, I think that could be a notion that way it kind of, in a sense, forces both sides at the end of it to embrace each other and to work together rather than, you know, just draw this arbitrary line in the sand, which seems to divide us more and more as the years go by, especially kind of heading into this election. Like, tensions are so high. Like, you know, I mean, the, the, I'm not saying there will be, but this, but the idea that there's, like, talk of civil war, is it a possibility, is not, I think is indicative of just kind of where we are as a culture and, and, and the, the basic idea being that that's not good, right? 
And so just the idea of if there is a winner, they become the president and the, the person who lost becomes the vice president. That again, it just, it automatically forces a synergy. And maybe that's not the thing, but you know, as I said, this, this episode for me really is to talk about these things, to pose some ideas, not saying these are the solutions, but I think it's a conversation that we really need to start having no matter who wins or loses moving forward, because ultimately more and more just feels like, uh, Americans in general just tend to lose in these elections, you know, and, and I've heard a lot of people say like, you know, no matter who they're voting for, they ultimately feel like, you know, they're just doing it to preserve, uh, you know, an, an, an ideology of sorts, but they're not really enthusiastic of, of, you know, um, the candidate ultimately, whether Trump or Biden. And, you know, I, I, I get the fact that never is there going to be a candidate that you're fully going to be on board. Heck, I'm not always on board with my own ideas, right? And it's like, well, they're my ideas. How, how could that not be, right? And I'm kind of being facetious about it, but at the same time, honest and truthful. And so it's like, from that perspective, you're never going to have a candidate that, that you fully, fully support 100%. But at least, you know, I, I, I think, I don't know, it just... A lot of times, if we don't always get as enthusiastic about the candidate. We just do it kind of out of an obligation because of X, Y, and Z, you know? Like, because we need to preserve something, to save something, rather than, like, uh, for something, right? So, it, 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 in essence, if it boils down to it, like, we're voting for someone because they're against something rather than for something. And that's obviously, I think, a very shitty way to look at it and... and you know, whether or not it's true, the fact that it feels that way to a lot of people, you know, isn't good. And here's a here's a way I've heard American politics described kind of as is. A problem with our politics is the right want to win and the Democrats want to be right. And good luck having a conversation with that. That comes from Ryan Holiday. And I feel like that's, that's really true and... You know, it's not assigning a value system to, you know, who whose policy is ultimately better or worse. But in terms of the mindset, that seems ultimately true. And especially now, I mean, I, I you know, the, the kind of the way I look at it, and if you know me, you know I'm voting Biden, right? So I've, I've held nothing back against that. And listen, I, I, I like to think I, could, I can put myself more... You know, I can, I, I can kind of be more of a, of a middle observer than most. I'm not saying I might am, but I'm saying more than most. And, you know, in that sense, I understand the appeal of Trump uh, to people from 2016. And, and I can understand it to a large extent even now. Uh, I, don't I don't agree with it, but I can, I can understand it at its core. And... You know, my problem is fundamentally, no matter who it is, whether it's Trump or otherwise, like to me, it's like, okay, in terms of leadership, I want someone who doesn't just blame others. I want someone who solves the problem. And Trump, that to me isn't it. And, and also, in a lot of ways, democracy and the American system at its core is about, you know, an ideal. 
the Constitution to me, yes, is a legal document, but it's also an ideal we strive towards. And the idea that we're defaming the, the election and, and, and there's voter suppression and so forth just doesn't set a good standard. You know, I, I and this is altruistic to say, I admit it, right? This whole episode is really considering like what what are the ideals we should be striving for and and you know, step one is to define the ideals. And so for me, an ideal is to have as, you know, whether it's two candidates or as many candidates uh, that are on the ballot to really speak about policy and the changes that they want to enact and to, you know, I'm, to put it out there and then to let the people vote and get as many people to vote as possible. And then, you know what, whoever wins, that's it, right? And that to me is the ideal of what should be happening. The fact that we're trying to suppress votes. And I say, when I say we, you know, I'm talking about kind of the larger we in the sense that like, you know, whether, you know, I, I'm not trying, essentially, I'm not trying to define a side. I'm just saying like this is happening in America, right? And obviously there's people fighting against it, but the fact that it's, it's happening at all just taints it very negatively, right? In terms of what we are. Like, I look at it from the perspective of if this was happening in any other country, whether a third world or not, we'd be stepping in and we'd be like, what? We'd be, we'd be the first ones to be like, what the fuck is going on with these idiots? And the fact that it's happening in our own backyard is like, that to me is not indicative. You know, it almost reminds me. So just recently, my friends and I entered two films into a film competition. And there are three winners, right? You know, first prize, second prize, third prize. And, you know, in this group text chain, one of the friends said, I had a dream that only four people submitted and, you know, we, we got in, you know, as, 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 you know, one of the three for both films. And, you know, the rest of the group chain was kind of applauding this. And I was like, nah, 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 fuck that, fuck that. I don't want to win out of four people. I want to win because, you know, 5,000 people or whatever it is uh, submitted. And in spite of those 5,000 people, ours was the best. And if it wasn't the best, then you know what? That, that kind of still allows us to assess of like, okay, where we went wrong. Maybe it wasn't for them, you know, and still it has merit. Maybe we do need to do some self-reflection and adjust, right? I think too oftentimes, uh, you know, we, we need to assess the outcomes of both victory and, and losing, but especially victory. I think too many times with victory, you become complacent. And so what I mean by that sense is kind of the ultimate point. You know, when, when I look at the election, in this case, presidential, but of course there's other things on the ballots, but, but I'm just talking presidential strictly here. Um, well, I guess it applies to all. I, I should apologize for that. But the idea is, you know, the ideal being that cast as many votes as possible and whoever wins, wins, Right? Because then you know you've won. Or that is truly the idea that, that holds true. You know, one of the sad parts about all of this, you know, there's a term called ethical fading. And at its core, like a simple, it just kind of, we almost go through the motions when in reality we don't like believe it. And so, 
you know, I think that's why a lot of people are turned off from voting because it's like, okay, it's just an act that doesn't mean anything. And ultimately, and especially now, I, you know, the people that might be in that camp, it's like, you know, they're being deterred from voting. It's like, no matter what, and, 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 and that's just not the right mindset we should be having. And in fact, if I say, if I, if I say anything against that idea to, to help kind of propel you forward, if you haven't yet voted, it's the idea that if your vote didn't matter, they wouldn't be trying so hard to suppress it, right? Really think about that. If your vote truly didn't matter, why is there so much, uh, so much action to try to not count votes, right? So, so we do have the power, we the people, as is the ideal of this here in the United States. And, and that is the ideal that I would like to be striving towards. And, you know, one of, one of the ideas that I kind of thought about, and again, this is kind of a reshifting, so we'd have to really rethink a lot of things. But rather than just put, you know, essentially two candidates on the ballot for the presidential nomination, instead of having primaries and things like that, you know, just just put all of them on the ballot and whoever wins, wins. Meaning there's like, you know, if it ends up being seven Democrats and eight Republicans or whatever, it's like, you know what, in that case, there's not like, ooh, you know, a binary option. You kind of get to choose. And so, you know, you really do go for policy in that sense. And then this kind of, in essence, would have to eliminate the Electoral College, which, you know, that's a whole nother thing that people are just really tired of, to be honest. I mean, just look at the polls out there regarding it. And, you know, I think in that sense, the most popular person and their ideas would win. I, 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 I think that actually would serve really well. I, you know, I'd be curious to know your thoughts on that. Um, as I said, it does restructure the things because it gets rid of the primary in that sense. But, but you know, when, when I don't know, oh, okay, like for me, it would have been Elizabeth Warren. I would have voted for Elizabeth Warren. And so if you had Bernie... Biden, Warren, and let's say Trump and, and whoever else from the Republican side, you know, I would have looked at the ballot and for me, you know, it would have been like, okay, I, I really, I really side with Elizabeth Warren and I would have voted for her. And so in that regard, if let's say she lost or won, whatever, but, 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 but this just, just in that general basis, it gives you more options and it doesn't pigeonhole you. And it doesn't necessarily feel like a throwaway vote either. So, yeah, we we just whatever it is. It, again, as I started this, the, the 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 one thing I think both sides can agree on is that the two party system is kind of bullshit. So I think there's that. You know, in terms of how we heal the nation, I think I was I was having a conversation with my friend. Lauren LaGrasso about this, and we may do a podcast about this, but it's the idea that we got to stop turning away people that are not us. You know, so in this instance, let me just, you know, a simple thing would be like a Trump supporter. It's like, no, no, no. I, what, I understand that they have a different viewpoint of things, but, but if my ideal is to love everyone equally, how can I just turn away somebody? And it's a shit ton of work, trust me. And I do have people in my life that I talk to that are Trump supporters and it is agonizing as fuck. It really is. I'm not going to lie. But by me quitting on them, that just, that just proves their point, if nothing else. And, and so, you know, I don't necessarily do it for that. I do it because 
to me, inherently, it is like if I want to truly love and appreciate people, then that's what I must do. And ultimately, I think where we get into this this thing is we label people as number one in absolutes and number two, just just the fact that we label people as an adjective to begin with or, you know, any sort of descriptor, I, th- I think is a fallacy. We have to start start looking at individuals in terms of the action. Actions can be good and actions can be bad. And sure, there's consequences to actions that are bad, and there should be, and perhaps it, there's not enough consequences currently, and that's you know certainly something that we need to work towards, you know, like you're seeing with the Black Lives Movement and so forth. You know, they're they, they're essentially trying the, the fact that cops aren't being uh, held accountable for the crimes that they're committing against citizens. Yeah, that's a horrible fucking thing. But at the end of the day, to label someone just as a thing, it, it, it almost you know for good or bad. But in this case, let's let's just look at it from the bad angle. It 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 prevents them from ever getting better. Right in the sense, like they're, all of a sudden, they're you know we've labeled them as not redeemable. That guy's a liar. That guy's that guy's hateful. That guy's whatever. Right, and currently they might have those things, and currently they're displaying their actions in that way. But in that sense, again, if if we just that's what we label them as, and that's what that's what we throw out, uh, whether whether um, non verbally or verbally against them, then 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 they're going to double down on that and it only gets worse from there. So we have to start to de-escalate a lot of this tension, a lot of this anger. And, you know, uh, you know how we get, get there, I, it, it all really starts on an individual level. It, it really does. You know, I think we over... Overhype what heroism really is, and part of it comes from an egotistical place where we look at like if my if my actions don't have a tremendous impact on thousands of lives, if not millions, then it's not worth it. And it's like, of course it's worth it. If you can affect two people in your life, three people in your life, you know that that is an act of heroism. But that doesn't sound as glossy to us, and certainly not to our ego, and so we discredit that. And that is another fallacy that we just have to get rid of for ourselves. And we have to set the example. You know, it's that Gandhi quote. We must be the change we wish to see in the world. And and that's kind of where we have to get to. And, you know, one of the things that scares me and, and you know, I've rewatched recently Fahrenheit 11.9. Not to be confused with Fahrenheit 9-11. Both made by Michael Moore, but Fahrenheit 9-11 is about September 11th and, and the Bush administration. Fahrenheit 11-9 kind of aims to dissect how Trump won his presidency, excuse me, and, and what it means uh, for America. And this was like put out in 2018 and like, you know, uh, one of the, one, it kind of ends on the notion of comparing Hitler to Trump. And I think a lot of people get thrown off by this this comparison because, you know, Hitler is we kind of look at Hitler as once once in a lifetime and I'm I'm talking about the collective lifetime of humanity kind of person and 
First off, that's bullshit because, you know, call it the Holocaust. You know, people say like, oh, we never want the Holocaust to repeat. The Holocaust is repeating. Holocaust was a genocide and genocides have taken place and are taking place. Look at the Armenian genocide right now. And that's not the only example of genocide in the world currently. And so to say, oh, we can never let the Holocaust happen again. Well, bullshit. That's, 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 that's an ideal and that's not dealing with fucking reality. Okay. And secondly, it's not about Hitler at its peak. Any comparison I certainly make of Trump to Hitler is Hitler early on in the early 1930s of discrediting newspapers, spreading disinformation. You know, Hitler was an outsider. He was not a politician. Trump is not a politician. He was an outsider. And he, you know, he's got all these things. And that was the rise of the Nazi regime. And when you look at hate crimes being up and, and a lot of these things, what are happening, you know, fear and so forth, it is scary. And I, it's not like I lived through the Holocaust or at the onset of it, but, you know, I do study history and that, you know, those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. You know, I almost think we find ourselves in that situation if we don't act wisely. Now, to that effect, right, I'm doing this on the eve of election. Let's say Biden wins, right? Fair and square and all that stuff. You know, is but are are, the, are America's problems over? No, they are not over. You know, a lot racism is not cured by ousting Trump. The things that persisted in terms of media, you know, the right wing media agenda and so forth. And by the way, the liberal media, you know, I look at CNN and MSNBC and all those. Like, we have to come to a more unbiased set of journalism. We really do. And also to the fact like that, you know, in like uh, we're not covering the Armenian genocide. You know, that's a problem of our news organizations as well. You know, they're ultimately trying to feed us in terms of what we consume and what gets the money. So at the end of the day, it's dictated by money. But we need to, to me, we need to change those things. Um, You know, I, I think social, when you look at a movie like Social Dilemma, and when you look at social media, one of the things that you kind of look at, like, oh, you know, people have this harsh stance against social media of like, oh, social media is evil and this and that. I don't think it's evil. I think, you know, a lot of people came in with good intentions in terms of social media, and it spun out in ways that they didn't foresee. And now we have to rethink that, right? So I think, you know, we as an American people, I think things kind of spun out of hand and if Biden wins, all's not over, right? We have to really consider of like what allowed us to get a president like Trump, um, what allowed us to really become so divisive in in all these things, and to really start seeing ourselves as Americans, and also by extension, like people of this earth, rather than you know Democrat, Republican, and so forth. And that I I, I really do think that that's the ideal we should be striving for. And as I said, the Constitution to me is an ideal as much as it is a legal document. And, you know, I think we need to enact those ideals to become law. You know, so that way we are created equal and then we can act equally within this country.
one of the things I had a, that that I look at, you know, uh, the the term "Make America Great Again" implies that America was great to begin with at a certain point in time, and I also kind of looked at in a more nuanced perspective than other, perhaps others. In fact, most likely others. And I will admit, you know, there, I think there was a time when America was great. Now, not for, I'm not saying for everybody. Certainly not for for Native Americans, not for people of color, um, Latinos, and so forth. But but for the white middle class, there I, I, there was a time at which America was great. It was also a time when the middle there, there was taxes of like ninety two percent. Okay, so so we tend to forget history. That his that that period of history did exist. And the middle class was thriving, and, and people were more than willing to do that because, you know, it created roads, it created jobs. Like, that money was being funneled back in to make America great. And I would like to see America great in that way. But, right, this is, this is the nuanced part of it. Not just for the white people, not just for the white middle class, but for everybody. So I think we need to marry that aspect of our history— you know, because it does represent a good history. You know, I don't think, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. But now, you know, enact those ideals. And the, because to me, the idea, like when people say, oh, that's a progressive idea and so forth, well, it's like, yeah, we kind of have, like, life progresses, life goes on. You know, we, we're, we're no longer, um, you know, being ridden around. On, on horses, right? We invented airplanes and automobiles and so forth, and, and, and things have to move forward. And, you know, just, just a simple kind of version of it, like, listen, no one, like, when things come into existence, it's not like the intent was to, to kill off an earlier industry, but it was to solve a problem. And so when I look at the green movement, and people are saying, oh, this is going to kill the oil industry. It's like, okay, so what? Why are we holding on that onto, on, onto old, old things? You know, we, we I mean, life, life goes on. And it's as simple as that. That's, that to me, what progress is, is becoming better and better. You know, part, part of the ideal, right? Uh, uh, we the people in order to form a more perfect union. We will never achieve perfection necessarily, right? Because in that sense, perfection is always being redefined based on the time and place we are. But it's an ideal we're striving for, and that's what we have to kind of always move towards. And by not embracing that and just being like, we're gonna we're gonna sit here and dig our heels in and just say life is it's, it's like even if life is as good as it's going to get at any point in time, guess what? It's going to change. And so we, we have to redefine that. It's a constant balancing act. It's like homeostasis within our bodies. Homeostasis might look like equilibrium, but the body is doing a lot of fucking work to keep that equilibrium. Is it not? Ask a scientist. <laughs> and so the... This is the reason why I want to have these conversations. This is the way I've kind of been looking at it. I'm not saying I, I'm the know-it-all. I'm not purporting that. 
But I think these are conversations and questions we need to start asking ourselves and then having the patience to discuss them with each other. And discussion is two ways. It's talking and it's listening. And so on that note, I've said a lot. What I would appreciate you do is take what I've said, give it a moment to process, and then come back and comment with your, your thoughts or questions, right? It, it, you can be a definitive thought or it could be a question. Now let's start a dialogue, a meaningful one. I would appreciate that. You know, to what end and what it does, I don't know. But I got to believe that, that, that it's goodness. You know, hope, hope doesn't mean I'm divorced from reality. Hope just means I see steps to make things better and I'm willing to take them. And that is my pledge to you. If you're willing on that, you know, you and I might not see eye to eye. But I still think that we want things to be better. So now let's talk about how we get there. Or ask each other questions to understand where we're both coming from. So do that. Or hit, you know, you can hit me up on social media or down in the comments section. And you know, as I said at the top, if nothing else, vote. Vote. Even if your vote is different than mine, still vote. That's what I have for you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. It means a lot to me. And um, I, I truly do appreciate it.